Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Share What You're Making with Chair and Bacon. I am your host, Chair, alongside Bacon. Hello, Bacon. Hello, I'm Bacon. This intro's already got weird, but let's go. Let's roll with it. I like it. Uh, it's only going to get weirder from here. Our guest today, the one and only Yaler. You know him, you love him. Meta Cartel, Raid Guild, every DAO that you're a part of. He probably started it. I am... Excited for our conversation. Let's call it a, a freeform jazz style conversation. Yeah. So we found that Yaler and I both like to ramble. And so this episode is mostly just us rambling, doing what we're best at, some would say. Well, you don't start a podcast because you don't like to talk. I suppose that's a fair point. And here we are. Here, I thought we started the podcast because we had, you know, wisdom and knowledge to bestow upon the masses. But it might also be that we like the sound of our own voices and hearing us talk hearing ourselves talk over and over, saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, as the resident editor for these episodes, I can, yeah, confirm. Definitely a thing. <laughs> you know, luckily, Bacon has saved me from that torture, and it is a torturous thing. Speaking of torture, this episode and every episode of Share What You're Making with Chair and Bacon is brought to you by Metagame, metagame.wtf. It is indeed a brain infection. Visit metagame.wtf, follow at metafam on Twitter, and if you want to learn more, go to wiki.metagame.wtf. Yes, so it can infect your brain too. Oh, I, I recommend Nomsky's piece, if you can find it in the library. I have a playbook in there as well. Bacon, you do you do. have any content on the site? All of it? I'm in charge of it. So the entire that, thing? Does that mean I just get to adopt all the content? Bacon is the president of Metagame, and he's also the CEO. Please send all your complaints to him at Baconator on Twitter. I am at Very Comfy, V-R-Y-C-M-F-Y. How do you spell your Twitter, Bacon? It's with the H. Just, you'll find me. If you really want to really talk to me, you'll find me. The easiest way is to get into Discord, probably, and find me. I lurk around the metagame Discord hardcore because, you know, I'm the CEO and the president. As apparently, I've been promoted. Um, so if, if you want to find me, the best way is just to jump in the Discord and you'll find me easily. Speaking of which, we do have a burgeoning Discord. It will be available for you to we join do. as you hear these words coming from your audio device. Please join our Discord. You can find it up on my Twitter and on Bacon's Twitter as well. <laughs> uh, our Bold assumptions, share. Bold assumptions. Uh, you know, the the... The best part about record, pre-recording is you can make things happen after you say them, and they still uh, will be true. Still full of subjects. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> we are available on Spotify, on iTunes, everywhere you can find a podcast. You can search for Share What You're Making with Chair and Bacon. And please share. Please subscribe. Please retweet us on twitter we're actually part of the metaview podcast still currently which is um that's true so that it's technically not a podcast in itself i don't think i think it's just the overarching title you. for all of the metagame related podcasts i don't think there's an official metaview podcast i think it's just all of the metagame podcasts are published through the metagame po metaview podcast if we're gonna get super technical i think it's the metafam podcast metafam podcast okay within that I think, however, in my testing, in my QA, I have found it directs you right to our episode. Okay. So hopefully okay. that will be useful for people as we build a yeah. cache. We're probably going to have to grow and expand. Yeah, we'll probably expand on that eventually. But for now, if you're looking for our episodes, they'll be all titled Share What You're Making, but they'll be mixed in with the other episodes in the MetaFam podcast. So like our episodes like one and two and three 
will be like episodes like whatever, like 20, 28 and like 32 or whatever, right? Like as they get mixed in with the other ones. We welcome you to check out the other episodes though in the MetaFam podcast, MetaView podcast, whichever it is. There's some good stuff in there. Some of it's not as interesting to you if you're not a metagame person, but a lot of it is. You can There's a good description of each episode though when you look at it in Spotify. So feel free to branch out a bit and try out some other episodes. Yeah, I, uh, I encourage everyone to check out metagame, especially newbies, because it may very well only confuse you more, but only at first. And then... And then you get it. The rabbit hole analogy is really good because you kind of find it and you're like, this is weird, but it sparks your interest and you kind of fall down it and you come out the other side. And you're like, oh, I kind of get it now. That was a crazy wild ride, but now I kind of get it. I have suction cup prints all over me. <laughs> Folks, oh, Nova. we are going on the road. Your boys are going out west to Denver for MCON. September 15th through 17th. Two young guns on the trail. Just a couple of gunslinging cowboys ready for whatever comes at them ready to give a little too Mm, give a lot (laughs) ladies watch out we plan to have incredible guests for you all we will be recording a ton uh, so i will just tease that we have some very very big guests uh coming up for you interviews that you might not get anywhere else and i can almost guarantee you won't get anywhere else why do i tease because i have no idea who those guests are going to be yeah i was about to say i was like are we gonna let that slip are we gonna give them that are we gonna part the kimono for that or no i'm gonna keep it close to the vest but the type of environment we're gonna be in who knows what we can pull in quickly who knows who's going to show up that's true we're told it'll be a, a, a ripe environment is that that's not a thing an environment ripe for the building Yes. The dowing. And the picking up other people away from doing real work and building to talk shit with us on our podcast. We're going to find out who the real builders are uh, when we're there who do not get up from their laptops, uh, but are still present. But we'll drag them away. We'll drag them kicking and screaming from their laptops, doing real productive work to scream with us and hopefully not kick us. Might have to do a roving mic segment. There will be a hack space separate from the noisy space mm-hmm. within MCON. We should take a mic in there and do a few interviews because that's that's where you're going to catch the people really building yeah. this stuff. Hey, this is a quiet space. Let's uh, do some interviews. Yeah, that's yeah. Share with, hey, hey, real quick, share what you're making. Yeah, I'm Chara, he's baking. Share what you're making. Oh, man. Just look over their shoulders. One of us on either side. Just lurking over them. Uh, <laughs> so we are. We're the vultures. We're the vultures of the Web3 crypto space. Just picking everyone's brains clean of good ideas. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to it. Folks, our guest today is the venerable Yaler. If you are around crypto Twitter, the DAO space, Gitcoin, Metacartel, Raid Guild, just to name a few, or just ran into him hiking or riding his bike somewhere, uh, or snowboarding. Yeah, he does live in the woods, as he says in our podcast. Yeah, uh, or maybe you just gazed at his beard. Uh, but you, you probably have seen or come across Yaler at some point. So I'm very excited to talk to him. He is one of the main influences. He was one of the main influences on me to uh, grow a sack and quit my corporate gig and join the, the Web3 community, go yeah, full force he, into DAOs. He's trying to get me to grow a sack too, but it's not working as well. I, I yeah I'm, I'm a I, you know I'm easy I'm an easy lay you just got to make me smile because you already had a big old sack mine's all small and shriveled like I just got out of the pool so I gotta it's gotta grow 
it's just always warm in California. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I'm still here in Boston. It's so cold. Like I'm worried I have to pay my astronomical rent. It's terrible. It's terrible for the lie. You know what I mean? You got to get a yeah. little humid. The summers are good. Uh, I want to let folks know that uh, Bacon uh, had to chop up this episode a little bit due to a stream of consciousness. Um, yeah, so we started this episode trying to talk about MCON, obviously. And so you'll listen when we first heard the in- interview. We talk, started talking about MCON and immediately get off topic. Immediately. And we never got back on topic. So we ended up recording like a 40-some, almost 50-minute almost an hour talking with Yaler about like random other ramblings, but it ended up being such good content that we wanted to give it to you guys anyway. So I kind of just chopped it down a bit. And so that's why you'll hear some awkward cuts. You'll hear a little bit of our theme song music uh, at the cuts. There's two major cuts in here. Um, and it also just kind of cuts off at the end because we had some technical difficulties at the end and uh, we lost Yaler's internet connection, but it's good stuff. And instead of focusing on MCON, it'll be mostly about the political sphere, both in the real world and in the DAO space, and how we're trying to solve some of the problems of real world politics with DAO space governance, and how we still fall prey to a lot of the problems from real world real world, bleh, real world politics in the DAO space. So it's a very interesting episode. Really excited that we were able to nab him early on in our quest. Certainly he will be back. <clears throat> we also have some, uh, we can tease you know what? We won't. You, you don't want to tease this? The next guest we already recorded? Well, let's just say he's part of a gigantic DAO. He is a developer for a gigantic decentralized exchange that may or may not rhyme with Smooshy. And he is the venerable Ross Campbell of LexDAO. Oh, there you go. You just dropped it. After that big tease, just go ahead and drop it. <laughs> we can't tease everything. And we have to show the people we do have. We have real guests lined up. Yeah, we do have real guests lined up. Already recorded, actually. Just waiting for me to edit it. It's in the can, folks. Yeah. I dragged my feet in recording this, on editing this particular episode. um, And hopefully that won't happen again. We're about to hit you folks hard and fast and in the face with lots of content, starting Mm -hmm. with this conversation in a freeform style with Yaler. Without further ado, here he is. Well, it looks like sharing what you're making is going on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, the road to MCON, and that's the road we're on right now. Literally, the road to MCON is on the road to DevCon. So, like, it's it's all happening in tandem, essentially. The DevCon team, the, the Ethereum Foundation reached out and they were like, can we put your event on our website? And I was like, why? They're like, we want it to be part of the road to DevCon. And I was like, do you want to give us money? And they're like, Maybe, but can you put this NFT on your website? And I was like, maybe. Let us know if you approve our grant proposal and we'll see how it goes. A peek behind the curtain of how things get done. Yeah, it also sounds like you're really skeptical. Every time Every time somebody exactly. reaches out to you exactly. or something, you're like, why? Why? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. So much. The more you're in this space, the more skepticism arises. People are like, hey, let me tell you a great idea for MCON. And I'm like, no, let me tell you a great idea. You can come and volunteer at the event. And then we'll see how great you are. Because if you're not willing to do that, then I doubt they're even going to be a cool person to hang out with. Because everyone wants to come out and hang and do cool events. No one wants to like man the door. So those are my rules. I'm not a guy. I'm not a guy that does stuff. You talk about other guys who do stuff? You make other guys do stuff like man the door? (laughs) I can get people to do things 
for me. Yeah, that's been known to be my shtick. But they enjoy it at the end. They do enjoy it at the end. They're like, thanks for giving me a, a job. I'm like, you're welcome. Well, manning the door is actually, is actually pretty legit as far as things go at like conference and stuff. I had uh, an aunt who used to like essentially man the door for the UN. And she had a pen that Winston Churchill gave to her. Like that's like a cool story. Doorman is a great is a great role. Yeah, a very progressive position for a lady. She was a doorman, especially door back lady, in the day. door woman. Well, now I think stewardesses are all like air people. They're no longer like they're sexless now. They're all just assholes now. Funny story. In 2019, I was a steward, aka doorman, at ETH Denver, and I helped many a people, and I made a lot of good friends. And so it was a great position for me to be at the bottom, as Bacon notes, it was a powerful <laughs> position to be. And I really enjoyed it. I was like helping people find their way in. I was like pointing in the right direction. And I was like, all right, this is how stuff works from the inside. Not very well, like kind of crazy, well but like we here, we doing this. Yeah. People are, yeah, at conferences, right? Especially free ones. Hey, yay, and Colin. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting point that um, people wonder, I wondered, what, what's going on? How, how do things get done? in the real world or with people that are really doing it, how does it get done? And uh, it's really like anything else and it varies sometimes haphazardly in, in the moment, uh, like like anything. It's like the more, the more I learn about politics, I'm like, how do things get done in politics? And I'm like, oh, most of them don't get done at all. They just talk about it and then people forget that they said they were going to do that. And then like years later, it's like, oh yeah, well, that idea was like you had to you know, learn way this? too late. And we already spent the money. How much research did it take for you to learn that? I was, it took a couple hours. <laughs> I've been living in the woods for a long time. It sounds like it. This, I don't know if you've seen this beard. Like I like the nature, <laughs> not so much the paying attention to politics. That's it's probably the really best. Like I mean, most people who start to look into politics quickly realize that politics is not really their thing to put it uh as you just did that's where all my crypto friends were like i used to be in politics and now i run a dow and i'm like aha mm -hmm. i see like the pivot is happening here the great exodus anyone who wants to stay in politics i kind of question like is that a per is that a yeah. person i really want to know or hang out with like because i don't think that's an environment that's for any healthy or sane person I don't think we can escape it or the more i'm in, uh, involved with different DAOs and seeing the problems that arise they mirror the real world and the politics or the real world, the let's say web world. two world or corporate world. world. A lot of the same issues arise. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, disappointing, but it's also, um, it shows, I don't know if we can solve these issues within the web three space or within DAOs, there might be some finality or some hope, or at least it seems like, Within this space, there's like it's like the last ray of hope for a lot of different things. So, what are the best solutions that are being like implemented right now for solving real world problems in DAOs? In DAOs, yeah, what, or like what DAO solutions are coming out right now, which really kind of like could have a big impact on the real world infrastructure? DAO House, their functionality, their ease of spinning a DAO up, and increasingly how fast and efficient it is the ease of use of multi-signature wallet. But like I would say, if there's one tool, it's DAOhouse itself and the sort of the features that it offers in a forum spun up for you right away for your DAO or baked into the DAO. That's one that I would call out. 
Yeah. How about y'all? One of the big ones that like I see coming along, I don't think anything has this yet, but then again, I don't look into the space at all yet because for reasons I'm about to explain. But the whole financial thing from the like kind of grant perspective, the kind of VC capital options and just the ownership perspectives. So from like Gitcoin style grants, like uh, community funding to the DAOs that allow you to kind of create your own like venture capital things. Like I think like Metacartel Ventures and, and DAOs like that to just the concept of the Moolock DAO where it allows people shared access. Did you say Moolock? Moolock DAO? That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. That's amazing. Moolock. I love Moolock I also like DAOs. the, the term Moolock, Moolock for another DAOs. reason that we could go down that rabbit hole if you would like. I just like the concept of the Moolock, but that's another Another story. Anyway, yes, the, the Blue Lock DAOs that have the shared financial ownership, because I think long term, those are going to be huge deals. Because historically, like a lot of the role of government and whatnot is just kind of being the treasury, the shared treasury for a community, right? And distributing money. And so a lot of these like core functions in the quote unquote real world or traditional world, right? Break down to how do you join together and distribute money? Because things that people actually need that they don't necessarily usually really want to pay for are very expensive. So things like, you know, road project, right? Uh, scientific and medical research, right? Um, things like funding, you know, various utilities that it's like very expensive. And so you need to be able to collect very small amounts of money from a lot of people who will be affected to create these large projects. But then the question is, who do you trust to shepherd that money? And then how does that function? And that's where we get up with a lot of problems in government, right? Is you get all this red tape and overhead and waste spending because you get these giant budgets that inflate and then nobody's really tra keeping track of you know the the nickels and dimes as it were and end up nickeling and diming the entire populace and then everyone hates their taxes and then that's how the whole politics things quickly goes to shit so not that it's happening now but these financial structures that you get to create in these dow spaces i think long term will be huge because it creates a lot easier it's like a lot easier to coordinate around the money like that. And you kind of can make it mostly trustless in that nature. And you kind of get these things that run automatically algorithmically. So it can way cut down on overhead and red tape and the politics involved in these large projects. If that made sense. I tend to ramble. Okay. Do you want to know what I think? Sure. Yeah. I think that just the concept of transparency using the blockchain is one of the most important features that will help solve for the issues. It's like the government has the government or the, Demo what's that thing called democracy yeah like these concepts have created like these obscure walls around like okay what you can see what you can't see where the funding's going where it's not going and that is one of the biggest like mm, like rug pulls i would say on taxpayers on people individuals is just not knowing where the money's going not knowing why this senator's office needs to spend a hundred thousand dollars on the door or some stupid stuff like that right not being able to follow the money and the advent of tools like dow house tally um you know just being able to look at the blockchain and see where our politicians right we have protocol politicians right people who lead DAOs, who lead groups and individuals you can see what they vote on. You can see the funds that they have in those wallets. You can see like what their weighted influence is. And you can kind of follow the history of those things. More and more DAO dashboards are going to be coming out, like DeepDAO and stuff like this, where you'll be able to follow the progress of what people have voted on, what suggestions they've made, you know, what proposals they brought forth, and how much support they had from the community, which is a trust metric, in my opinion. 
like how powerful you are and how effective you are in your community is a massive metric for how much I should follow or believe what you're saying. Because if you're putting out proposals and everyone's like, yep, I like what you're doing. I like what you're saying. I'm voting it in. I'm voting yes. Then you know that that person has a strong port of their community per se. And that is one of the biggest things is DAOs and uh, theory-based governance is starting with the concept of transparency. And if you are a protocol politician or a person who is like well-respected in this space, you know that transparency comes with the space. It's not like you can't get around doing a bunch of stuff from the back. You know, there are like whale situations with financial stuff sometimes, but when it comes to the communities, their governance, their grants programs, all of this stuff is public by design. And that's what makes people feel safe, comfortable, and want to engage. It'd be, there's even people on Twitter now complaining about the uni, Uniswap governance problems, right? But they're going to solve those problems because if enough people see the same things over and over again, they have to move towards a place of making a solution that suits the community. If they don't, their community will leave and do something else, right? They'll go work on some other project. But with the government and with you know the systems that we have now, we can't leave and do something else, right? We have to like violently overthrow the people in power in order to put a new solution into place. So I think it's like we're building solutions that go around the bureaucracy, that go around the big hole, you know, the big black hole that consumes all of these resources to the point where people are like, why don't we just use this stuff, you know, use this blockchain stuff, use these like DAO-y things. And I think it'll just be this kind of slow trickle of people exit, 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 yeah. especially the smart people. You get the smart people. We have all the engineers we have all the people who are like thinking in this forward way who are like, we're probably better together, right? We're better using transparent systems. And like, that's the thing that it comes down to at the end of the day. It's like transparency, accountability, and integrity as individuals, which I think the whole uh, political circus lacks mm -hmm. is going to change the game, right? And it's going to open up so many more opportunities for people like Chair and Bacon and Yaler to like take positions on behalf of communities with the trust of individuals who have resources that we can pull together and that we can put in places that benefits our communities. And that just in and of itself is a revolution. True. Speak about your role at Gitcoin. And uh, <clears throat> for those who might be unfamiliar, uh, Gitcoin had a very large, big, made a big splash with their GTC drop a few months ago. Um, Part of claiming your tokens, um, and GTC is a governance token, if I'm not mistaken, a part of taking or claiming your tokens was deciding whether you yourself would be voting on DAO issues or delegating those voting rights to um, <clears throat> someone else. And I chose Yaler, as did a high percentage of people. And I noticed, I don't remember what the number is, but I noticed a significant and not insignificant number of people have put their faith in you. And so talk about the pressure, talk about the responsibility that carries and sort of how that has changed your, uh, your clicking on votes and deciding if it has at all. Um, and sort of because that is the new paradigm to me, talking about, you know, taking it from the ambiguous to the real. How do we how do we delegate our interest to someone and be able to see it uh, very plainly how they're using it? You are in that position. So speak on that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. Um, I work with Gitcoin for about 10 months. They're an amazing team. It was awesome to work with them. 
And the whole point of me working with them was to be a part of the transitionary team going from working on the core team, working on the product, working on the tokenomics to working with the DAO, right? Not getting, I don't get paid to work at Gitcoin anymore, just so you know, like I don't get paid at all to work on the DAO. We create proposals and those proposals have GTC tokens that have no economic value. It's a governance token that Gitcoin holdings will tell you that. Now you can go on Coinbase and see that, that yeah, there's a different story happening there, but that's neither here nor there. That's a whole nother topic. I'd love to get into it at some point in time because yeah, that's, that's just, anyway, continue. Hello, welcome to welcome welcome to America, uh, SEC. Uh, they're trying to cover our asses, basically. <clears throat> People are trying to cover their asses, basically. So there's that, right? But my goal was always to work for the community. And as an individual who has gained a lot of trust um, by being a reputable and like not a dumb decision maker inside of communities, I was able to say like, okay, cool. I'll help coordinate all of the stewards and we designed the stewards program so that we could activate people in the community who felt power, who felt like they wanted to be empowered to participate in governance. Now, anyone who holds GTC is a member of the DAO, right? They have a vote, but our stewards have the power to have delegation and you only have to raise your hand to become a delegate. If you're like, Hey, I'm bacon. I want to be a delegate. And if chair and, squirrel and cookie monster they all want to delegate to you as well they can all do that right and that's totally fine you can even delegate to someone who's not officially a steward right you can delegate to yourself so that was the kind of forced governance through the gtc token launch was anyone who claims gtc needs to do a proof of knowledge they do a little quiz three tokens or three questions what is gitcoin all about what's our token for um and then it was proof of delegation which is like where are you going to delegate your token to? You can delegate it to another guy who you trust, a Yaler or someone else, or yourself. And the third was proof of receipt. So it's like, okay, you've, you've got the tokens, they're yours, now you can do what you want with them. And the goal was to get the, all as many of the tokens delegated as possible so that people weren't like, oh, I'm going to go sell these right now. It was like, I'm going to use these for the purpose that they are intended, which is governance, right? Now, the GTC token has a large market cap right now because of the way that the market perceives its future value and that is the power of ethereum right this is a governance token it's used to signal voting and stuff but it also has an economic value so people are accepting this token for work so they're like we're going to run a work stream we're going to do this for a year we will accept the gtc token they don't need to accept usd they don't need to accept DAI or any stable coins they're willing to take the token and then they can go to exchanges and do with it whatever they want with the token. And my goal as a steward is to ensure that the best proposals for the community are being presented and championed. So it's like, if this is a bad idea, I'm not going to champion it. But if this is a good idea, I'm going to bring it to the community and I'm going to say, hey, this will help us either fulfill our mission, it aligns with our values, or extend our treasury window. And so those are the things that I've been focusing on. Um, I've been off for a little while since having a baby and stuff like that. Oh, but like, I'm there. Congratulations, oh, Yeah. But I'm there as like one of the many voices of like amazing people in the community who have the trust and delegation authority to, to act on behalf of individuals. And I would say most of the people that got really big airdrops of GTC, they're not selling. They're not interested in selling. 
they want to see Gitcoin get to all of its missions to, to kind of spread public goods everywhere and to really take over more like mainstream public goods as well. And they're doing the most insane stuff right now. I don't know if you guys just saw the Moon Boys robots or it's like a Moonshot Collective robot sets. They just launched 303 PFP avatars on a bonding curve and they funded an entire Gitcoin grants round in like 36 hours. Like what took them months of like raising money, asking for sponsorships, doing all this stuff. They raised it in 36 hours with some NFT sales. <laughs> that was from a working group of the GTC DAO. That's amazing. That's uh, that really makes me think. It makes you think about NFTs, right? Like <laughs> there's <laughs> NFTs. Certainly. <laughs> so the one thing that's since, I mean, I know this isn't ground we meant to cover here, so, but that's the one thing that's always personally bothered me about like the DAO space and Ethereum and, and Web3 and the crypto things is that all of these governance tokens always have an economic value, which makes a lot of sense in the terms of what you just said, in terms of like, you're doing this work politically, like people can accept it in exchange for work and you want these things to have value. So they have real stake um, to really keep people accountable when they're like using these things to cast votes and things, right? Like you don't want them to be free to people. Um, but on the other hand, having them available in the open market and having your votes be weighted by the number of tokens basically makes everything essentially an oligarchy, right? Because people can just buy votes at that point. So how do you feel about those types of systems? And how do you, and do you have, and what do you think about that moving forward? And are there any ways to balance that like in the future? That's a good point. Um, how do people avoid vote buying and such? I don't think we see a lot of vote buying in crypto. I, I don't think so yet, but I just yeah. know that that would be an issue if if we stick to the. I don't think it's an issue yet, but we're also still relatively small compared to what we're hoping to be and what we can be and what we probably will mm -hmm. be. Um, so I suspect it just will be an issue that will grow over time, and it's also, I think, a sticking point for some people. So there's still obviously a lot of crypto spec skeptics out there. So obviously, I don't even know why I'm saying it. And that's one of the things is like when I go to explain to people crypto, that's one of the things that always strikes me weirdly and makes me a little hesitant explaining to them because I don't want them to pick up on either on either the fact that, you know, this can essentially become like people, although we live in a flawed political system, it's still a democracy and people love that meme, right? The democracy, like that's it still really pulls on people's heartstrings and people are really still dedicated to that. And so people flawed though it is, people are going to be hesitant to leave that for like an oligarchy structure. But isn't isn't it exactly the same in the existing structure that like you're getting your votes getting bought by like Fox News or CNN, right? Like it's yeah, it's not the exactly advertising dollars that are going into convincing you that that guy's right versus that guy is yeah. kind of the same. You just don't see any of the net benefit. Yeah, it's it's the meme though, right? So it's like it's kind of the same, but it's not exactly the same because like in the DAO space with tokens having the real financial value, you're baked, it's baked into the system, right? Like you're you're like kind of almost encouraging vote selling versus in our current political system, it's it's like a faux pas that everybody does anyway, right? It's like everybody's dirty little secret. Like everybody knows it's happening. Everyone sees it happening. Everyone tries to pretend like it's not happening because it's not too. And like it's like one of the things that everybody knows is bad but everybody does it anyway, right? And so, and like people obviously also spend a lot of time trying to fix that, right? And so there's always all this messaging going out about like, you know, these different things, trying to cut down on 
funding for like presidential campaigns in particular and like that's always a big selling point of like people trying to sell fund and like that was a big thing with like you know trump and hillary clinton was like where's the money coming from who's funding these campaigns and trump was like oh i'm self-funded or grassroots funded and everybody kept coming out like these conspiracy theories about like or truth theories about hillary clinton being funded by like major corporations and stuff and so that's always like it's it's a constant theme and it's constantly something people are trying to address at least even if they're not right versus the concept of just having it being baked into the system i don't think that we're i mean so we're definitely not experiencing those things yet but you are Mm. right we are ripe for those kind of issues but the beautiful thing about the ethereum community and governance inside this community is we have an unlimited amount of technical brilliance Mm -hmm. to be able to solve for those issues whether it's like bread ID type unique verification or non-transferable tokens, like we can, if we see those things, like there, there are people in these positions, right. Of power who are very trustworthy and who are very like integrally led. So a, they're going to not, they're not going to let things that are bad for the protocol or bad for the project pass. Right. If they have Mm. 10% or 20% of the voting power, and they are connected to all the individuals. It's a network of trust, right? I don't think politicians really actually trust each other. I think they're like, all right, I'm going to get what I can until you screw me over and then I'm going to screw them over. In in this governance community, we really trust each other. Even if someone votes my thing down, I'm not mad at them. I don't really care, right? I'm not like, I'm going to vote your stuff down because you voted my stuff down. I'm like, all right, it didn't make sense this time. We'll figure out a better way to work together in the future. And if there's collusion, it gets discovered quickly. You've seen how fast news spreads in this community, how fast hacks spread, how fast uh, you know vulnerabilities spread. A, a, a governance collusion is just like a hack. It's going to move fast. People are going to see. You can look at on-chain. These tokens were voted for this, and then tokens flowed from that address to this address, right? And maybe there's proxies or something like that. But like that stuff can be discovered. We have the most brilliant like data scientists ever i think in this community mm-hmm. so i think those things can be solved for fast much faster than in the existing political scheme because of like i said before the transparency of the community right there are yeah. individuals who are highly motivated to solve these problems and when they start cropping up which they very well might do i think we'll be able to create a solution for them quickly we don't have one now and very valid point we we're ripe for this kind of thing but i think the difference is this community and this system thrives by challenges right Mm -hmm. when things become harder on this we make it better we build better code we develop better systems and that's the thing that with the other systems it they don't do that right they tend to fizzle out or this time they get hardened in their inefficiencies we evolve really fast and really rapidly and become strengthened to those nick to those vulnerabilities yeah, I've heard a lot of people draw the comparison. I personally really like the comparison of um, kind of the DAO space and the Web3 space right now is a lot like the founding of the United States and like with the founding fathers and all, right? Where it was like this group of guys, they were different from politics nowadays where they all like would fight tooth and nail and they all hate each other. A lot of them even had personal beef with each other, but they all still at the end of the day respected each other and they really respected what each other did for the country, right? And you can hear about like all these people like talking on their deathbeds about like, you know, these people they had bitterly hated and fought with all their lives. Other deathbeds are like, oh, well, at least this person's still around to like to make sure the country st- does, does what it's supposed to, right? Because like they all really, even though they all had like personal beef or professional beef, they all respected each other. Yeah. 
it was a time of like honor, you know, it was a time of like men being men, you know, having respect, like you don't, you don't go against those things. Right. Like I, yeah. I love that. I love that throwback to olden times, right. Mm-hmm. Where I'm not going to, I'm not going to shit talk you on Twitter or something like that's petty. You're right. It's like not about that. Right. Like if I respect well, I mean, you, they totally you did that at the person, time, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, there was a yeah, lot of shit. If you look at it, there was a lot of public shit talking between these guys. But that's what oh, I mean. Yeah. It was like some of them yeah. had like bitter personal rivalries, right? And like that's why, like, yeah, like the they would write letters like about some, like in the yeah. Look at the what was it the the papers, the Federalist Papers or whatever. Yeah. Like that whole mm-hmm. debacle. Yeah. But the funny thing is, it's like at the end of the day, sometimes those things motivated them, right? Mm-hmm those those bitter battles and stuff like you could think of like think of your whole life going through a battle like with someone and then thinking how that person actually shaped you and defined you right they pushed you and they helped create you craft your message and your whatever you were in the world like that's quite interesting actually if you look at that it's Mm -hmm. like i don't really hate this person like they're just the yin to my yang right and that's actually like a really good thing if i look at it like that yeah yeah no it's it's great i had a relationship like that growing up one of my best friends we we were like vehemently like competed against each other. Like the competition was so fierce that like our parents got involved and our parents had been friends. Our parents stopped talking to each other because our parents couldn't handle it. Like my friend and I got so competitive that my parents got, that our parents got into huge fights and our parents couldn't handle it anymore. We're still like good friends to this day, but like our parents do not talk to each other anymore. Nice. Cause it got, it got that intense. This reminds me of something I was talking to someone about the other day. They asked me, how do you measure the health of your community? And I said, how you deal, how our community deals with conflict is how we measure the health of the community. Because if there is individuals in the community and chair, I don't think you were there, but we had an individual in our community that was a total psyops. He was early. He was an early contributor to metagame. And he was like, he was out for blood. He wanted to take all the beauty, all the amazing ideas, all the innovations that we had created inside metagame inside raid guild inside meta cartel and he wanted to export them to some big conglomerate dao framework and launch them again with like more resources and then squash us and we could see this happening because literally he had written about it in the forums and we were like i mean i was personally like oh no like this this is not going to happen we're gonna like we're gonna fight this right so we just brought it up of course it was a big denial fest it was all this stuff but the crazy thing was the community came out in defense of this guy. And they were like, he's been a good contributor. He's been, you know, doing all this good stuff. He's been a participant. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I brought him in, right? I, I was the one that brought him in and said, I'll vouch for him. I'll let him be a member. I'll, you know, I think he's, he's killer because he was killer. He brought so much value. He brought so much high level, like clarity into things and was a work machine. But at the end of the day, his intentions were impure and he wanted to do things that would hurt the community and he didn't care how it would affect the community. And instead of saying, because I think we could have come back from that, but instead of saying, hey, you know what? You're right. I was I was wrong. I came in with the wrong intentions, but your community has changed me and I want to like really work for the community. I believe in it. He said, I don't think that way. It was a, oh, it was a, it was a thought experiment, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you're just gaslighting 100%. And we had to find a way to rally around this, against this. Because I was like, this person is going to poison the well. Like, no one's going to feel safe to bring ideas, to bring wonderful things together if we feel like someone's kind of spying on us, right? And so at the end of the day, like, we had to ask them to rage quit the DAO, which they did. 
we had to ask them to leave the affiliation for the other DAOs, which eventually they just disappeared. You know, they made a big hubbub for about a week and then peaced out. And I always look back at that because there were some people that may have dropped off during that phase and felt like we're on a witch hunt. But I was like, this had to be done. This had to be dealt with. And I don't want to be the person to deal with it. I don't like calling people out. Like, you know, I mean, I should be called out sometimes for stupid stuff that I do. But like, I knew at the end of the day, the community was going to suffer if we left this individual in. And if we just let it slide and said, oh, it's okay. I was like, it's going to break us. And now I know that after like going through this and a year later, that we as a community are so much stronger because the people who are in the community, new members and all, are they're trustworthy, right? They're aligned. And there's no like fake people. There's, you know, that's why like permission DAOs are interesting with Meta Cartel specifically, because it's a very high barrier to entry. You have to work your way in or buy your way in. And some people hate that, but it's like those are the two metrics, right? To get your way in. Like I don't know how one hive does it, honestly, because they have like, it's like, oh, you could just join the DAO. And it's like, cr- it's like craziness sometimes. But I'm like, how do you guys manage and all that craziness? Because it's like so much noise and I can't parse that. But they do an amazing job. Like I love the project. I just don't know how they do it. I don't know how they parse all the noise. Yeah, we're feeling a little bit of that with metagame right now because we're like not completely open, but we're very open. Like we'll accept most people that kind of join. Like we have a short, like, you know, I mean, you know, mostly. Um, I don't know if you've been. I'm going to be honest. That's what drove me away from metagame. (laughs) There was just too much, right? Yeah, it makes sense. New people, new ideas, new new things coming in, which is like, which is really fun and can be really interesting for conversations Mm. and sparking insight. But like, I personally am to the point where I want to do work, right? Mm. I want to get things done and ship things. If they take forever, I'm like over it. Right. And like, especially when you have new people coming in, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of like re reteaching, retelling, and that can be tough. Like if you're at a high level yeah. and you want to execute the bacon, you know, yeah. it. I can see it on your face. <laughs> you're like, uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's just, so yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. It's just, that's where we're at. That's exactly where we're at right now in metagame. I've kind of feel like we're at that tipping point, but it might just be that I got to that tipping point. Right. Like it might just be that I feel like we're there because that's the thing with you see a lot in metagame of people projecting. So everyone kind of comes in at different points. Everyone has different levels of activeness and kind of comes and goes. And so everyone's kind of slightly on a different page. And you see people project where they are in the process onto like the way they're interacting. So I can't tell if metagame as a whole is at that tipping point or if I'm just personally <laughs> at that just, point with, with metagame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's definitely one of the big things we've been talking about. That would be about really interesting to do some retrospective like interviews of like mm-hmm. people who pieced out of metagame. Like at what phase did you piece out of metagame and what was it that caused you to like want to step away and do other things? Because like, I still love metagame and I think it's an amazing right. project and I hope all the best for it. But like, I, I'm lost in the server anymore. I have no idea what's happening, right? It's evolved. It's like yeah. this great nebula of like new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, there's all these new things. Like, cool. Awesome. But like, I, I wouldn't even know where to plug it in anymore. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, that take, like, it's like, this is something that's probably been, discussed around metagame right around the time that i joined officially and bacon you and i came in at about the same time i think so yeah so how much do we have to do with that no i don't know I, one <laughs> thing that i really enjoy about metagame and the positive parts of it is that we are able to pick up and run uh with things that make sense let's say or for lack of a better word at the moment but um for this with this podcast for example you and i work well together mm-hmm. and we ran with it metagame provides a platform to amplify our reach we have 
an abundance of resources from getting artwork to getting it edited and stood up and a bunch of support. It's actually a really good metagame success story that you bring it up, that you frame it like that. That's actually a good point because yeah, you got, I mean, I guess I should have let you keep speaking because you don't actually did most of it, but you got like a lot of graphic support. You got the the publishing support. Um, people wrote show notes for us. They did a second pass of edits because I did the first pass of edits and I'm a total noob at it. So we got a second pass of edits from somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Um, and then got, this, I think I already mentioned the show notes and they posted it on YouTube too. So they, and that was taken care of for us. I want all those things. Like I want all those things in my back pocket as well. And I remember that was one of the most compelling things. I was like, it would be so great to have a community of people who filled in the gaps that I, I can't do because 90% of the things you just described, I can't do. I can talk, but I can't edit. I can't do art. I can't even post to YouTube. Like it's all painful for me, but it's so nice when you find other people who want to slot in and fill mm -hmm. that up and you can provide value to them where you're like, we can flow value to you for helping with this. And that's what I think the seed infrastructure is really powerful for. Yeah. It's that's, that's what I wanted to highlight was that um, they can go. It really went from inception a couple of days to we had our first episode out with everything that we mentioned with uh, really like, I don't want to say flawless coordination, but things moved rather fast from first iteration of artwork to uh, edits and updates and um, getting posted to Spotify, YouTube, getting, and now we kind of have a pipeline. So as far as a success story and hopefully as an example of how things can go, this is what metagame provides. The The inception came from Bacon and I. We put initial work in. We identified needs that the community could support, and everyone is rewarded for it. And it's like, you know, hopefully we can close the loop with some listenership and drive people towards the projects that uh, our guests are involved with, that we're involved with. And then that, you know, will hopefully be the benevolent loop that that's that's my ideal. That's what I saw in metagame as the, the deeper that I looked into it is that there's a great willingness of its members, especially like the older members, uh, people that have been around longer, to contribute to things that they feel are worthy, that they like, and it and it doesn't, it never feels like work. Seldomly does it feel like I'm just laboring on something like, yeah. uh, just to get it done. Anything I ever did for seeds is like yes. yes. <laughs> Isn't so, that the whole DAO ecosystem though? Like, yeah. aren't all the other projects that you're involved in like kind of amazingly fun and interesting and surrounded by your friends? Yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, exactly. and they're all labors of love. Greetings, listeners. This is Bacon coming to you from the Share What You're Making studio. You've just listened to our talk with Yaler. would like to call an interview. It was more of us just rambling. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I certainly enjoyed talking with Yaler and finding a like mind in the crypto space. A couple last things just to wrap up before we finish the episode here. We would like to thank, first of all, I neglected to thank them last episode, but we'd like to thank Blast Vegas for our wonderful theme song. The theme song being Natural Feeling by Blast Vegas. Check them out on Spotify, on I think they have a band camp page or something like that. And also if you're in the LA space, check them out in person, live. I would also like to remind our listeners that MCON is going on this coming week. There are events going on all week in Denver. 
but the conference and when I will be attending is specifically scheduled for Wednesday the 15th, Thursday the 16th, and Friday the 17th. It is sold out, but if you find yourself in the Denver area, please come by to hit up any of the side events or just hang out with us. It should be a fun time for all. Thank you for listening. This has been Share What You're Making with Chair and Bacon. Unfortunately, Chair's not here to give us that juicy, juicy outline. So I guess we'll just have to see you next time. COVID. Yeah, that was me. COVID was an inside job by me, Bacon. Take that to the bank. Call the FBI. Call your senator. Ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, this is Share What You're Making.